Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Hey, well, it's good to have you here this morning. As Tony's mentioned, I know it's a long weekend, first weekend of school holidays, and many of our family and friends have taken the opportunity to be away. And I don't know about you, I love to travel. Any travellers out there who love to travel when you get the opportunity, and I've had the privilege of being to many varied places and uh, even had the privilege to be overseas and find myself in countries where we don't speak the same language. And um, I didn't take a language at school. Oh, that's a bit of a lie and you should never lie when you're preaching. We should never lie at all. But I did German uh, for the first year of school and so I can count to 100 Um, But that's about it. And I've never been to Germany, so I've never had the opportunity to use it. But I have had the opportunity uh, one year, my sister and her husband were living in Belgium for a time. And we were in England doing a conference. And so being so close, we had the opportunity to go to Belgium and then to France uh, to spend some time with them. And I know I always think I'd heard all these stories that French people, unless you speak French, they're really rude and nasty to you. And so somebody told me that you just got to learn a phrase. And if you learn this phrase and you open with that, they warm to you because they feel that you're trying. So they said to me, all you need to say is, vous parlez anglais, which means, do you speak English? So I thought, okay, cool. And I have been told, I think that's even wrong in how I say it. But anyway, so we find ourselves, we caught the ferry with a car, get off in Ustendorf in Belgium. We're trying to get to my sister and her husband's place. And we got horribly lost. It could have something to do with the fact I was navigating. But so we go into a um, petrol station. We go in there. So I go in there armed with my weapon. So I go up to the attendant and I say, vous parlez anglais? And he looks at me and he goes, no. And I'm like, oh, now I'm in trouble. So we finally, I've got a map and through hand gestures and all sorts of things, we kind of got the information and whatever and we eventually found ourselves where we needed to be. But the big lesson in life is this, that for communication to take place, we need to be speaking the same language. And we're in a season and a series right now where we've been talking about ready and willing, living a life of obedience. And the whole premise of this series has been about the fact that as human beings, we have a love language. And so for us to feel love, for us to communicate love, we need to be speaking the same language. And Gary Chapman wrote a book, The Five Love Languages, and we've talked about what those five love languages are and the importance of us to feel loved we need to be making sure that people are communicating in our, in our language that well, the way that we feel love. So for me, Tony shared it from the stage before. I'm an acts of service girl, so I you know if you want to give me a gift, I'll never say no, and I will receive it. And if you want to say nice things about me, I'll say thank you. But if I want to feel loved. You do something for me and it's like amazing. I think my kids actually have it really, really easy because they don't have to spend money on mum. They just got to do something. Clean your room and mama's happy. You know, wash the dishes, mama's happy. Mama feels loved. And I've had to learn the art that not everybody speaks 
the act of service love. I'm married to a man whose love language is words of affirmation, which should be easy for me then. I have to, if I want him to feel loved, I need to be able to communicate that in a way. So I need to talk to him in the way he loves to be spoken to. And what I've discovered in 33 years of marriage is that yes, no, fine, okay, don't cut it in terms of filling his love language because he's a words of affirmation. He wants forensic, specific love uh, words. So, and again, our kids, again, I think have got it easy because they've gotten away through the years and we've taught them, yes, giving gifts is good, but they just got to write Dad a card. It's not hard to bless Dad on his birthday, Father's Day, Christmas and all the other events that we have. You write Dad a card and you be forensic in what you love about him, what he does for you, how much you appreciate him. And you've just won yourself a million bucks. He's easy to love. But I've had to learn and discover that. And that's the premise of this series because God has a love language. And we've discovered that God's love language is obedience. The Bible puts it this way in John 14, 15, If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And these last couple of weeks, Pastor Tony and Pastor Dan have shared just some keys on obedience through the lives of men and women in the Bible. Tony spoke from Adam and Eve, Pastor Dan last week spoke from Peter and the fishermen. And this morning I get the opportunity to do a character study and speak about obedience from what I see in the life of Noah. So the title of my message this morning is, I know a man. Yeah, you got it. My husband went, what? I'm like, no, just go with it. It's a mama thing. Like, I know a man. I thought it was cool. And because I'm preaching, suck it up, princess. <laughs> All right. So if you've got your Bibles with me, with me, with you, uh, or your smart device, you can turn to Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to read from verses 8 to 22. And if you don't have it on you, it will be up on the screen behind me. Found it, Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. It says, But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shen, Ham and Cheese. I always want to say Ham and Cheese. Ham and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt... Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, 
you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. (laughs) No pressure. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Can I have a tissue please, Crystal? I've got a, for some reason, a runny nose and I don't want snot to drip all over the microphone. (laughs) Sorry, excuse us. Thank you. (laughs) All right, I think I should pray because then I can wipe my nose without you all looking at me. (laughs) All right, no, honestly, I really think I should pray. So right now, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this series and what you've done in and through it. And I just ask right now that as I share some keys from Noah's life, won't you speak to us, encourage us, give us something that we can apply in our lives so that we can be better disciples of you and great witnesses for who you are and what you've done. So let your word go forth and may it bring change in all of our lives in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Good. Thank you. So, I want to look at the life of Noah and just see what I see in terms of obedience that I can take on board and hopefully it'll help you also this morning. So when it comes to obedience, what do I learn from the life of Noah? Well, number one is this, God makes the first move. You see, to me, the story of Noah's obedience doesn't actually start with Noah. I think the story of everybody's obedience doesn't actually start with us, but it starts and begins with God. It says in verse 8 that Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. See, Noah found grace because God, in His grace, found Noah. And you and I can find favour and grace because God, in His grace, has found you and I. And the Bible puts it this way in Romans 5.8, that God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The good news is this morning, whatever it is that God is asking you to do, that big thing, that big O, big obedience that God is saying, hey, I've got my finger on, this is what I want you to do. The thing we have to both all remember is that the first move is God's, that He's with us. He has gone before us. He has made the first move. That Scripture tells us that God saved me. He chose me. He called me. He's forgiven me before anything. It's not that I've done something to earn His favour. It's not that I could do something to earn His grace. But God, in His grace, in who He is, has made the first move and said, you know what, I want you to be obedient, but I'm not going to leave it up to you. I'm going to make the move so that you can find faith, who found favour in my eyes, can complete what it is I'm asking you to do. God has gone before you, whatever that thing is. I want to encourage you, it's not as hard as you think because God's already there. And I think back, for those of you who may not know, but 
I come from a family of a non-believing family, easiest way to put it. I didn't grow up a Christian. Tony's mentioned already this morning that 30 years next year of leading this church, but Christianity was not my background. And when I was in primary school, I had a little best friend and her parents were Baptist pastors. So she was my best friend. Her name was Rebecca in primary school. And when we got to high school, life just sort of changed and circles changed. And we still went to the same high school, but we had different friends. And when it came to the last year of high school, halfway through the year, my mum ran into Rebecca's mum in the local shopping centre and Rebecca's mum was explaining to her that they got a new posting uh, for ministry and they were moving into the country and they weren't sure what to do with Rebecca because the schooling system didn't line up. And so Rebecca either had to, and we were doing year 12, so Rebecca either had to stay in Adelaide and finish year 12, or she, if she went with her family, she had to stop schooling and then go back the next year and do year 12. And so my mum just said to um, Rebecca's mum, well, Rebecca could come and live with us. And I, what I love about this woman of God is she went home to her husband and to Rebecca and she said, I've met... Um, Kath's mum, and she's offered this. And I don't know why, but I feel in God, this is a God thing. She literally said, I'm sending you to a heathen family, <laughs> but God's in it. Here's what you have to know. That was June or July and Rebecca came to live with us. In the September of that year, I met Jesus. I invited Jesus into my life. God went before me. And I just, I want to share that. That was so long ago, but just the fact that I had no idea. That was, we had moved past, things were different, but a woman heard God, knew that this is right. It's God moving the chess pieces to say, you know what, the obedience, the thing I'm asking you to do, I know it feels big. But no, like Noah, that God has gone before you. What He's asking you to step into, He's already there. Remember, God has made the first move. The second thing when I look at Noah's life that screams out at me is not only has God made the first move when it comes to obedience, but when we're talking about obedience, we need to do it God's way. See, verse 9 says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. What we have to understand is that the word for blameless there means free from defect. It means wholesome and sound. It's not implying that Noah was perfect or he was sinless. It's implying that he was consistently obedient to what God asked him to do. And that should take the pressure off us to say, oh, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be sinless. I've just got to be consistent in continuing, continuing to say yes to what God is asking me to do. Put it this way, Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. In Genesis 7, chapter, uh, verse 5, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. In chapter nine, uh, verse 9 of that same chapter, as God commanded Noah. In, chapter, in verse 16, as God commanded Noah. And in Genesis 8, 15 to 18, it says, Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark. So Noah came out. Noah was consistently obedient. But here's what I love about Noah. His motto wasn't just do it. That's Nike's motto. Noah's motto was just do it God's way. 
it wasn't just do it. It was like, you know, when we talk about obedience, it's like do it, but do it God's way. You need to consider this. Noah built an ark. He didn't know what an ark was. God just gave him the directions. Here's what I want you to do. Because we have to understand that they had never seen rain. Until that time, rain had not covered the earth. They'd never seen rain. So they had no idea what rain was. They had no idea what an ark was and what it was meant for. And I'm sure when God presented Noah the plan and the purpose, and this is what I want you to do, I'm sure Noah was like, are you sure? I'm sure he questioned God. We read the Bible to say, oh yeah, and then he did everything. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure. I'd be like, are you sure? Like, what? And you want me to do what? And and I haven't done an in-depth study. I've read different things. It talks about the fact the way the ark was made, it had to be made to the plan. Otherwise, it wouldn't have floated. Because of the size, the shape, the way it was, it had to be Follow God's directions because if you don't, this thing isn't going to work out the way I've intended it. And I don't know about you, but Noah followed it to a T. If this is, was me and God said, I'm going to bring two of every animal because I'm going to wipe them all out, but we're going to start again. I would have left the snakes and the spiders behind. <laughs> I would have been like, I know you've got a plan, God, but I've got a better one. Because I hate those little suckers and I'm not interested in saving them. Surely, surely the earth can get away without having snakes and spiders and maybe a few other little animals that we don't really like. But I've discovered by watching some of those David Attenborough shows that every animal has a place in the ecosystem. So I don't know what this world would look like if I'd been Noah and I had squashed the spider and not let the snake on board. But you know what? God had a plan. And the thing was, Noah was obedient to God's plan, but he did it God's way. He acted by putting his faith into practice. Noah perfected the art of obedience, not the art of thinking about obedience. He didn't think, yeah, I'll get around to building the ark. I'll get around to doing that. Yeah, I know that's what you're asking me. Yeah, it's on my to-do list, God. I just haven't got there yet. No, he not only did it God's way, but he actually did it. When it comes to obedience, let's do it, but let's do it God's way. And as my husband often says, partial obedience is still disobedience. So when it comes to obedience, we've got to remember we need to do it God's way. The third thing I see from the life of Noah when it comes to obedience is obedience can be costly. You know what? I, we can't dress it up. We can't hide it. We can't mistake it. Obedience is costly. Can you imagine what obeying God cost Noah? I've already alluded to the fact that they'd never seen a night, they'd never seen rain. He's out there building. This wasn't just a Saturday weekend project that you've got sitting in the garage that when you've got some spare time, you're going to get to it. This was an all-consuming time deadline project that God gave Noah to do. And so it would have cost him his time, his energy. It would have cost friendship. I mean, imagine the ridicule. People walking past like, what are you doing? Like, this is stupid. And if he tried to explain it, oh, there's going to be, I mean, God was pretty 
forthright when he spoke to Noah and said, these people, oh, I almost said something. These people are not good. And so I'm gonna smite them off the, I mean, you know what I mean? So he would have not won friends and influenced people nicely. So the ridicule that he would have faced, that people would have said, "What? it's just strange, it doesn't make sense. But it cost Noah something. And we have to remember that our obedience should cost us something. But what I love about Noah is when you love something or you love someone, it affects everything about you. You see, I love the beach. I love it in summer. I love to go down. I love to sit on it. But as I've gotten older, maybe, I'm fussy when it comes to the beach. So I'll get down there. If the wind's up there, I sit down. I'm like, oh, Bing's. Like, oh, the sand is bite, like it's hitting me. So like, unless the conditions are perfect, I'm, I'm not at the beach. Why I'm back in my teenage years, I spent many a winter sitting on the beach. Now, a beach is synonymous with summer. You think of summer, you think of the beach. You don't think of winter. But I spent many a winter rugged up, beanie, jackets, blankets, sitting, being sand whipped on the beach, which is, just doesn't make sense in, for anyone in their right mind until you pan the, shoulder, the shot back and you realise there's a love interest who's windsurfing at the beach. And the best time to windsurf is winter because why? There's wind. So I did something that is quite not natural and weird and strange by spending many a weekend sitting in the freezing cold wind on the beach. Why? Because I'm mad? No, because I was madly and passionately in love with someone who was doing something that I just wanted to be with. When we think about obedience and you think about the cost of obedience, I mean, it cost me something. I didn't lose fingers because I bought gloves and I didn't lose my ears because I pulled my beanie down, but it was costly, but it didn't feel like a cost to me. Why? Because of my love for Tony. He's out there windsurfing. And when God is asking us to do something, it's costly, but we'll do anything if it comes out of that place of love. And my question to us this morning is if obedience is the flow of God's love in your life, is your faith costing you something? Does your faith cut into your lifestyle at all? I mean, Tony has just brought a message in about giving and tithing. And often I sit with people and they say, you know what, I'd love to be obedient to what God is calling me to tithe, but I actually can't afford to. And I go, I understand that and I can see that. So faith then, it's gonna cost you something if you wanna be obedient to what it is God is asking you. So it may mean that actually that massive house that you've stretched yourself for, it may have to go if you wanna be obedient. Oh, but that's costly. Yep. But if you love something, then it's a cost that you're prepared to pay. 
Maybe I've sat with people who said, you know what, I really feel a sense of, I want to get more into the community here. I want to be able to uh, build friendships and network and, and have a support system. And we go, well, the best way to do that here at Life Adelaide is to get into a connect group. And here's a couple of connect groups and they're like, oh, but on a Tuesday night, I've got squash. On a Wednesday night, I've got this. On a Thursday night, I've got that. I'm like, well, well, you want to be a part of that. It may cost you something. Maybe move squash to Wednesday night to go to a connect group. Maybe don't do that on this night. Maybe it's going to cost you something. Obedience is costly. But when you love something, it's just an overflow of what you're being asked to do. Maybe you need to say yes to serving. But but Sunday's my only day off. I don't want to get here early to help out. It's like, mmm, mmm. Obedience, it may cost you something. Inviting someone to church, sharing your faith. How's this one? Stopping a relationship. Or putting some boundaries in place in a relationship that have been crossed. That's a bit tough. Yep. But obedience will cost you something. Are you prepared to pay the cost? Noah paid a cost. It cost Noah something. If your faith, your faith, if your faith isn't costing you something, have you considered it may be an indication of the level of your obedience? All of us pay a cost. Our obedience, every one of us, there's no one immune. doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, in what level of relationship you have, there's a cost to everybody. All of us in this room should be paying some cost. My cost is different than your cost, but we should all be paying a cost. And if we're not, if it's not grinding, if you're not feeling it, you've got to say, oh, Lord, is there an area of my life I'm actually not walking in obedience? Quiet. Fourthly, let's move along. What do I see in the life of Noah? Obedience can be messy. Can you imagine life in the ark? I'm going to expose one of my children here, but sometimes I open their door and I just shut the door. I'm like, oh, that must be what the ark looked like. (laughs) It's like, whoa. All those animals, the smell, the dung, the squabbles. I walked into our office today and uh, there's a staff toilet. I went to go to the toilet. I opened the door and sometimes we have a drainage problem. I opened the door and I was like, whoa, okay, Crystal, where's the Drano? There's a drainage problem. We had sulphur dioxide emanating out of that toilet. And I'm just like, can you imagine being on the ark? Two of every animal. Now, my niece had a horse and she used to go every uh, Saturday and muck out the stables. And I mean, horses can make a lot of mess. Every animal that we know and two of them in an ark I'd hate the job of mucking out those stables. That would have been, ugh. Imagine that. Imagine the smell of the animals. Imagine the mess that they made. Imagine the squabbles. I don't know whether, I mean, the Bible says that God brought the animals to the ark. 
I don't know if he just made them polite and nice to each other while they were on the ark for all that time. I don't know how it happened, but you've got to think, even if he did, we all love each other, but there are moments when things get in. And I can imagine like Ham saying to his dad, Dad, the lion's got the deer in its mouth again. Like, I mean, come on. Don't you read it like that? It's not, it's not so clean cut. There would have been things. I'm sure Noah would have pulling, been pulling his hair out. Like, really, Lord? Like, come on. Obedience is messy. I think we have this thought that God's going to say it. I'm going to do it. And it's going to be all rainbows and butterflies. And sometimes, let's be honest, that is true. God says it, we do it, and it's amazing. Sometimes God says it, we do it, and all hell breaks loose. It's like, are you serious? I, in our position, as obviously as lead pastors here, you know, we have the opportunity to walk alongside people and help them to grow and, and to lead them and to train them and to guide them. And I remember there was a time where I was just walking with an individual and they had a really bad habit of doing something, just a character trait that just wasn't helpful. And I know that, you know, I'd had people come to me and they were like, oh, this is driving me mad, blah, blah, blah. And nobody was saying anything to the person involved. And then God just challenged me that, hey, would you come alongside and would you just bring some counsel and some direction and some love and some help to this? Because this is affecting them. But now it's also affecting their, you know, there's a call of God on their life. They need to walk in an area, but this will hinder them. Will you come alongside and have a conversation and disciple and walk with them? And it's like, oh, why don't they all do it? And God's like, you know what? There's plenty of stories in the Bible where it's like, nah, get them because they, they see it because they'll come and complain to me. And God's like, yeah, I don't, not, Catherine, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. So I was like, oh, okay. So, you, you know, you put yourself out there and you have these conversations and you do it to the best of your ability. And, and in all credit, they heard it and we journeyed together. And they, in part of the process, they went back to some of the people who obviously were aware of it, they hadn't said anything, and then shared with them some of the things that I'd been saying. And, and they really had a breakthrough. And through the journey, one day just arrived at my door and she came with flowers and a dinner voucher and just said, I just want to say thank you for actually seeing something in me, but then being obedient and talking to me and bringing me through it. And I was like, oh man, this is amazing. This is so cool. Oh, thank you. That's great. So then the next time God asked me, hey, would you disciple? I'm like, yeah, got it. So again, the same process, do it. Well, I didn't get dinner. I was dinner. It's like, oh, okay. All right, that didn't go so well. So again, there's no guarantees. It can be messy. Life is messy. You and I are broken. We live in a broken world. Obedience is not about whether I, how people respond. Obedience is about will I do it despite the response. It's about my responsibility to be obedient. It can be messy, but it is of God. And then finally, as the band came up, obedience leads to blessing. Obedience, Noah's obedience brought life to Noah, his family, and the Bible records the whole world. And Tony mentioned today that next February, we spent 30 years being senior pastors here at Life and that I've had a mantra that it's just, I'm just a girl who said yes to God. 
And I just want to encourage you with this. When you say yes, when you do what it is that God is asking you to do, you have no idea of the compound effect that has on people's world. You look around. Life Adelaide didn't look like this 30 years ago. She didn't start here, but just an accumulation of yes, an accumulation of yes, an accumulation of yes, an accumulation of yes, has led to an impact of other people seeing that and the benefit growing. And only last month, Tony and I walked into a coffee shop and a young girl came up to us and said, you don't know me. I come to life, I've been coming for a while. Can I buy your coffee? Because you do not understand the impact that this congregation has had on my life. And that's not Tony and I personally, but it's the yes that we've said to create an environment that's having an impact. And it's the yes that you are saying that builds on that environment that God is asking us to. It's part of what Help and Hope is all about on that Saturday the 28th. To be able to open up and say, do you don't know whose destiny, whose life could be changed if you just said yes. And here's my key. People say, oh, you know, but you said yes to church planning. Can I say, no, I didn't. I did not say yes to church planning. I said yes to God. And that's what you have to remember. Whatever it is, your obedience, that God's got His finger on, whatever it is He's asking you to do, it's not yes to that. It's yes to God. And when it's yes to God, it's yes to that and it will help you to do that. You don't know whose life could be changed. You don't know whose destiny could be affected, not directly by you, but indirectly by you saying, yes, I'm gonna get on that roster. Yes, I'm gonna adjust my lifestyle and I'm gonna be obedient to tithing because I understand when I put my finance in, it finances the things that God wants to do in and through this church. Yes, to be attending a connect group. Yes, to leading a connect group. Yes, to the things that God is asking me to do. In conclusion, I've learned in my life, the major problem is pretty simple. It's a little word with big consequences and it's called disobedience. And last week, Pastor Dan mentioned, we don't need more information to obey. I mean, just ask yourself this question. Do I need more information about forgiveness before I let my grudges go and release those who've wounded me? Do I need another teaching on Christian community before I decide, actually, it's a good idea to attend a small group? Do I need more training on how to pray before I set time aside to seek God in prayer? How many more sermons do I need to hear before I start to decide to tithe and invest into something that will last for eternity? Do I really need more information before I share my faith in Jesus with other people? Church, where does your obedience refuse to go? Where do you say, and I'm talking to myself too, sorry God, but that's just too messy. No, that's just too costly. Oh, that's just too inconvenient. And actually, that's just not how I would do it. Will you ask yourself this morning, where am I in active or passive disobedience. You and I, if we're believers in Jesus, have accepted Him as our Lord, have the Holy Spirit 
who wants to lead us and guide us in all truth. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.